which is okay, which is absolutely okay. Because you know some days, it's not okay. Things just aren't well with our souls. You know, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And the human experience can sometimes really affect our soul. And God is saying this morning that you are forgiven, that God loves you, and that there's nothing really you and I can do uh, to further that. That's a done deal. It's, it's, it's made up in God's mind. Now, whether or not it's made up in our mind is something totally different. But it certainly is made up in God's mind. And so it is not well with our souls. So then we have to say, why not? And that's what I want to pray for those who uh, put up their hand this morning and said that, you know, it's not well with their soul today. That there is something that is going to be revealed to you, but what is not well with your soul? Is it because God has done something we don't like? Is it because life has done something we don't like or weren't expecting? Or is it because we are not believing something that we need to believe and hold on to? Because God is not in the business of discouraging us. <laughs> Last I checked. He's not in that business. He is in the business of telling us the truth, though. And the truth may discourage us. The truth may say something to us that we don't like. But then again, that's where we have to hold on to the truth of what Bill said this morning, which I believe was through the Holy Spirit, that regardless of what you are feeling, regardless of what you are experiencing, God loves you. Now, that is a theory. It's a theory. Some of us have enough experiences that we can say, we know it's more than a theory. We know it is a fact. You got to live a little while. You got to live a little while. Um, in order to take many of the truths of God from being something that's on the page and you're saying, okay, apparently that's what God is like. But it takes a few years to find out what that's really like. And same with marriage. You have an idea of what marriage is going to be like. Anyone who's been married more than 20 years knows that it's probably much different than what we thought at the altar. Much different. But that's okay because God is teaching us what true love is. And one of the beautiful things about true love is that you can have disappointments, but you bounce back. There's a force pulling you back. And it's so beautiful that we have God in our life that when we have those hits that cause us to be discouraged, that cause us to wonder, which cause us to not understand what's going on, that there's this beautiful force of love from God that's pulling us back and saying, don't worry, I am with you. I love you, I have forgiven you, and I'm walking with you, regardless of what you do. <laughs> you can't get rid of God. It's like I said to you guys before, the, 
the guy at the uh, radio station who was a reformed alcoholic. God had delivered him away from booze or, you know, he went to AA and got him out of booze and stuff, and he came up to me. He wasn't a Christian, and I've said this to you before, but it, it's funny. He said, Christ ruins your drunk. <laughs> he ruins it. And you can't fall back into old thinking with God because you just can't stay there. It gets uncomfortable. Self-pity gets very uncomfortable. God won't leave us there. He'll just keep on provoking us to say, do you really think that I, that I am like that? Do you really think that's all there is for your life? Do you really think that somehow you've missed it beyond repair? We are never beyond repair. We are never beyond repair. God will always make a way if we're willing for him to make a way. He will do that. So, Father, for those today who felt that it was not okay with their soul, Father, we just, uh, right now, I just ask those people who felt that way to stand as a testimony of trust, a testimony of surrender, a testimony of being willing to be open to what you, Father God, would say. And I just ask those people who have put up their hands to just stand now. We're going to pray. And, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray, Father God, that those areas that are represented here today that are not well with our souls, Father, I pray you give clarity right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for a spirit of discernment and clarity right now about what the exact issue is that is causing our souls not to be well. Father, is there something you want us to confess? Is there something you want us to give up? Is there something you want us to believe today? Is there something you want us to do today? Father, we just stand here today as your children, you as our Father who loves us. It's the first thing you said in this service this morning is that you love us, and that, Father, as we stand in this moment of vulnerability, this moment of honesty, to bring to you who we are today, we bring it to you in faith. And we trust that, Father God, you're going to speak and that you're going to take away that which needs to be taken away, change that which needs to be changed as we stand in this this posture of surrender in front of you. So, Father, we just confess our need this morning. And we also, in standing, we confess your ability to meet it. And that you are here with us today. And that you are changing things, Father God. So, Father, we, we receive it by faith. And, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jerry. Yes. I don't think we can hear that enough. He said, there's a reason it says in the Bible that in your weakness is God made strong. And sometimes we often want to see the strength and the power of God, but we don't want to see our weakness. We don't want to see our need. 
a pastor said something to me that was so profound, I stopped him and I said, okay, you need to go and write a book about that. Because he could do it too. Very smart guys. Uh, just Adam Greeley, just a very, very smart man of God. He said, a lot of people like knowing about Jesus, but not a lot of people like needing Jesus. And having our life in a, a time of need is very uncomfortable. We don't like it. We're never going to like it. We might as well get used to it. But when God puts us in, allows us to go into places of need, whether it be emotional, psychological, physical, financial, relational, whatever the need is, that is a beautiful place. It's a very difficult place. It's a very hard place to go in your faith. Because we live in a culture right now that makes us think that being a Christian should be some kind of bounding over the hills of life like the sound of music. And it's just not that way. We are in a battle. There is a force trying to rob from you everything you believe about God. And there is another force trying to call you into believing more about God. The difference is the force trying to take you away from God will push you. It will punch you. It will come up into your face and say things to you through people. It will do an amazing thing to try to. It's not a gentleman at all. God is a gentleman. God will lead you. He will call you. He will woo you. He will not force you. And that's where the act of the will, because God will never go past your will. He's waiting for you to agree with him. It's, that's just the way it is. And life can throw us some curves. We talk about it so much, and I think why God talks about it so much is because it is the reality of most Christians. I think most Christians are walking into church very heavy laden most weeks. I think they have a ton of questions, a ton of concerns, a ton of sense that maybe they weren't what they should have been this week, and maybe they, they messed up this week, and what does that all mean? And I think it's important that we allow God to speak into that. He knows what your heart is. And it's not about having a whoop de doop de doo service. It's about having the truth about where we are. And having, allowing God to meet us where that truth is. Um, so, you know, most of us this morning, most everybody, it is well with their soul. But for a few others, it wasn't. What would God do with a service where there was a few that had a struggle and the many didn't? What do you think God would do? He would stop. And he would say, let's take care of the few. Right? That's what God does. That's the God we serve. Leave the 99. That's right. Bill, could you just turn the heat off? I don't know. Like I'm just dying. Is it hot in here? Yeah. Yeah, turn them off if you can. Well, you can. All you do is push a button. Um, it's interesting. Some scripture has been going through my head all week. And Judy said something last week. Judy, do you remember what you said about the clothes? Do you remember it enough to repeat it? You want to stand up and say it loud. Yes. 
So grave clothes falling off to the ground. In the Bible, in those days, when they buried somebody, they wrapped them. And those were called grave clothes. So the picture you have there is of God taking the grave clothes off somebody who has been brought out of death. You and I have all been brought out of death. And God is in the process of taking off our grave clothes. Those things that tell us we're dead and not alive. We are alive. You are alive to God. God's will, purpose, and plan for your life is alive. It's not dead. It is a living thing. If you woke up this morning, it doesn't matter your age, if you woke up this morning and you're here today, that's because God has a purpose and a plan and has something for you to do. Um, The church does not have enough excess people that God doesn't use everybody. There's enough need that everybody can be used in some way, shape, or form. But what's interesting about that is the, the piece of scripture I was going to talk about last week that, that came to me last week and then the service just went a different way uh, was this, and it's out of Zechariah. And Zechariah is one of, they call them, call those prophets the minor prophets. It's in the Old Testament. It's a short book. But Zechariah has some of the most profound prophecies about the end times. Uh, But in Zechariah 3, and I'm just going to read it, uh, there's such a wonderful picture of what God is doing in your and mine's life. Cleansing for the high priest. Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. This is when Israel had come back. They had come back from being in bondage in what is now modern-day Syria. It was Babylon in those days. Now it's modern-day Iraq, Syria. They have come back, and they are rebuilding the temple. The temple had been destroyed, and they're rebuilding it, and Joshua uh, is the high priest that is there. Then the next sentence says, The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua, I guarantee you that you and I have accusations being made against us. We hear them. We believe them very often. That's our problem. We believe them. You're never going to succeed. You failed. This is the last time that God's going to forgive. God has given up on you. Whatever those horrible two o'clock in the morning uh, thoughts are. But here's what the Lord does with that. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, so much for God not allowing evil in his sight. We have that belief that you hear talked about. It's not true. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. That's what God does when the enemy is standing in front of him accusing you. And trust me, he is. The devil is trying to find any reason he can to make you look bad and for some reason cause God not to be in your life. It's a fool's errand because it's not going to work. But 
unfortunately, we don't always dismiss it. We let them sit in there, and we start believing them. Yeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So what's beautiful about this is here he is. Dirty clothes represent sinfulness, brokenness, uh, just being in the wrong place. And just like you and I, we were standing in front of God that day that he chose to invite us into a relationship with him, and we chose to say yes. We were standing there with our dirty clothes. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins, and now I am giving you these fine new clothes. That's what God is doing in your life. That is what he's doing in my life. He's taking those grave clothes off. And there was no coincidence that Judy got that last week, and that was the same scripture I was going to speak on last week, because God is telling us something. I know you and I believe certain things are happening in our life. Very often we believe negative, bad things are happening in our life. But in actuality, what's actually happening in your life is this. God is in the process of taking off the grave clothes and putting on the new robes of righteousness that he has for us. It's incredible. Um, It's the next piece of scripture, and I'll just read through this, is Psalm 32. I was reading it this week, and again, it just jumped off. Yeah, ever read scripture and jumps off the page and hits you right in the head? And I'll just read this through because it's such a beautiful piece of scripture. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Now, the disobedience that you and I were in, possibly are in, and most most assuredly will be in is forgiven. This is a constant active verb here. It is always happening. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Now, this is David saying this, and David knew a thing or two about sinfulness. He knew a thing or two about being a broken human being. But he also knew God. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. That's you and I. These are proofs. These are promises. These are things we have to embrace if we are going to achieve what it is God wants us to achieve in our faith. There's a lot of Christians who die miserable because they have never come up into that place of believing this. And really embracing what it means for you and I. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Because there's a hundred thousand different things coming at us trying to make us not believe this. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Isn't that beautiful? Complete honesty. What happened this morning was honesty. I'll tell you, you come before God with honesty, something's going to happen. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we have to be okay with the fact that sometimes it is not well with our soul. And understand that God is okay 
with that kind of honesty. You haven't somehow failed God. You haven't somehow become a third-class Christian because it is not well with your soul. There are seasons where we are not well with our souls. But this stuff is what allows us to rebound. I was talking about that force that pulls you back. This is the stuff that pulls us back into relationship with God. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. How many know what that's like? Nobody has ever walked with unconfessed sin in this house, I'm sure. Some walk for years and years because I've spoken to them over the years where they have carried something for 20 and 30 years. And it's been something that has dogged them for 30 years. Something they did, something that they were involved in. And all you have to, and many times I've done it and I've gone through a confession process with them and it just disappears. 30 years waiting for a simple act of confession because God is waiting for complete honesty. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Yes, God disciplines us, but he does not do it to kill us. He does not do it to cause us to stumble and fall beyond being recovered. He disciplines us, not like our parents disciplined us. How many had maniacal parents who, when they disciplined you, there was not love in it at all? There was no love. There was just anger. There was just contempt. And somehow you messed up their day, and they're going to whack you for it. That's where most discipline comes from, which is unfortunate. God doesn't discipline that that way but he does discipline and the best way to discipline a child is to let them become totally aware of what they did wrong to give them the total understanding of what they did wrong we had a kid come in here he's helping me do stuff with the church a local guy from the community and they're taking stuff out to the garbage (laughs) and uh i said okay thank you guys and off they went i knew them they had been around the church and stuff And uh, I come up about two hours later, and I noticed all the computer gear was gone. (laughs) So I called the police, and they said, do you know who did it? I said, yeah, I know who did it. And I said, he lives right down there. And they went down, and he was not that smart because he had everything in his bedroom. Um, But the long of that is that they did a circle of uh, restorative justice where they got everybody involved in the situation to come and sit while we looked at him and said, this is what you did, and this is what it felt like, and, and his parents were there, and people from the aboriginal community were there, the police were there, it, it was, I was there. I mean, it was a circle of complete, absolute, frank honesty. And there was no way he could get away from it. And it's, it works because it lets them see the total impact of what they've done. That's why they do impact statements to people in, in court when uh, they bring the victims in and they do impact, so that you know the complete extent of what the effect was of what you did. And God does the same thing sometimes to us, and it's not fun. He will not let us get away with it. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. 
I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Isn't that wonderful? God is just waiting for us to confess our guilt. That's all he wants us to do. And what will happen to it when we do that? It goes. It's just gone. It's an incredible thing. There is so much that you and I walk around with that we should not be walking around with because we just haven't gone through the confession process with somebody or with God himself. It's better with somebody. And it's like if, they, if I've learned anything in this year, I've learned to confess. I'm doing it all the time, probably too much. But I'm saying I'd rather be, you know, I'd rather make a mistake trying to do the right thing than hiding the wrong thing. So I'm going to be open, but it makes me look like I failed. It makes me look like I'm not a leader. It makes me look like I should be something more. And how can you be a pastor and all that stuff? That's called ego. That's called pride. The best leader you can have is a broken one. Who knows they're broken? Having a leader who's broken and they don't know they're broken, you're all going to get broken and end up over a cliff. But God will let us know. And if we're willing, and if we'll confess, and if you have good people around you, you can do that with security, and restoration will happen. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. Time is running out. I mean, the world may not end as we know it, in our lifetime, I personally think something dramatic is going to happen. I truly do. I believe that we are the generation that very well may see the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's just too much that has happened prophetically that we can sit and go, ah, yeah, another 2,000 years. No, the scientists and the environmentalists and everybody are telling us that the, the planet itself, it can't. It can't continue the way that we're treating it. So we know that there's a pretty good chance. But nonetheless, you and I are going to die sometime. Apparently, we're going to die. Everybody has. I don't know if there's anyone in this room is going to be able to escape it. Nobody has yet. And the fact is, time is running out. Your clock is ticking. My clock is ticking. And God said, this is the day of salvation. It's not 20 years down the road when you've got all your wild oats sowed. It is now. And we do not, it's not good to get in front of God in heaven with sin unconfessed. That's not where it's supposed to be handled. It's supposed to be handled on this side. This is where it's supposed to be handled. And time is running out that they may not drown, this is incredible, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. The floodwaters of judgment are coming. They are happening, actually. And I spoke to you last week about what we had seen in prayer, that judgment is happening. Judgment is real. It is going to happen. People can think that they're going to die and just go off into some kind of nothingness you and I know better than that it is says in scripture that it is for man to die once and then face judgment 
We are all going to be judged. And what God is saying this morning is, I would prefer to do it here. I would prefer to do it in a time of grace. I would prefer to do it when it's atonement available for you. There's no atonement available up there. It's done. This is where we get it right. What you put on here is what you will wear in eternity. This is the dressing room for eternity. So we have to make sure that, like Judy said, we allow God to take those clothes off us and give us the new ones like he wanted to give to Joshua. For you are my hiding place, talking about God. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. That's incredible. That's a promise this morning. If you're wondering about your future, God is saying, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Don't be like that. Be willing to hear and be willing to follow. God will contend with us to a point, and then he will hand us over. If he has to, if that's the only way we'll learn obedience, because he would rather have you suffer now and get it than make it all nice for you and end up in judgment later on. So it's actually the mercy of God when these difficulties come and when he's speaking to us, he's saying, you know, you should be doing different. You know, you should be something else. You know that there's more. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surround those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy. All you whose hearts are pure. What's a pure heart? What the heck is that? That's right. I mean, I don't think any of us would stand here today and say that we have a pure heart. But what God is saying is that if we are pursuing God, David had a heart after God. I would call that a pure heart. I think he actually refers to David at one point in that manner. He says David has a pure heart. And we all know David wasn't perfect. So a pure heart has got nothing to do with the way that we behave. It's got to do with the way that we are, the trajectory that we have on our life. To discover wrongs, allow God to take them from us, allow us to confess, to be humble and honest like some were here this morning, and to allow God to change the clothes and to get back up on your feet and go, well, I guess we're going again. And you just carry on. That's the walk of faith. That's what real Christianity looks like. Um, and in the midst of that, God does miracles every once in a while. Heals some people, delivers some people, brings answers, brings wonderful like uh, sense to our spirits, all those kinds of things. We are very fortunate to be where we are right now. You, uh, I don't think we understand the incredible luxury that we are experiencing by being in this place this morning and hearing what God just said. There's a whole world out there that needs to hear what we just said. They are dying because they do not know what we just said. And they're making terrible decisions with drugs and, and their lifestyles and their desperations. And people are killing themselves because they do not know what we just said. 
for some reason, God has chosen you to hear it. This is an incredible privilege. This is an incredible gift. We don't totally understand it because we're not in heaven yet. But right now, God's saying to you, it is an incredible gift that you have. As we come to Christmas to think about gifts, oh boy, what a gift we've been given. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blood that takes away the sin of the world. And, Father, I pray this morning, if anybody is in this place here that needs to have those old clothes, those grave clothes taken off, and they want you to take them off, Father God, and to give them the new clothes of the relationship of righteousness that Jesus died to give, I just pray right now you would speak to their hearts that today would be a day of salvation. Today would be a day of change. Today would be a day of healing. Today would be a day of a step forward. Father, I just pray right now if anybody has that in their heart, uh, if you just want, while everybody's eyes are closed, that if that is the case, if you want to accept Christ and to get those new clothes, just put up your hand and we'll pray for you. Father, we thank you for those who have raised hands this morning. Father, right now, we just ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, speak to them and cause them to know that, Father, you are willing to forgive. You are willing to redeem. You are willing to bring them forth into the fullness of what they think they've missed. That you, this morning, are willing to make them sons and daughters. So I just want, for those who raise their hands, I just want you to repeat this prayer, and we can all repeat it. Father God, I bring to you my life, and I give you my life, anew and afresh. I ask your forgiveness, Father God, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come into my life and show me how to give you the rest of my life. I thank you for my sins being forgiven this morning. I repent of my disobediences, and I receive your grace and love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God is good. For those that put up your hand, you should come see me, and we'll just... Uh, talk a little bit and uh, see what else God might want to say. Time for an offering. Everyone excited about that? <laughs>